Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Thank you, Ken, for that uh, good introduction that's worth at least $100, isn't it, eh? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I want to thank the uh, ALT for the risk and the invitation to uh, share here this morning in the plenary session. And... Uh, how many enjoyed Frank yesterday morning? How many would like to be like Frank? How many would like to follow Frank? And how many enjoyed Jenny afterwards? Where's Jenny? Uh, that was just right from the heart. We just love Jenny. And uh, she moved me to tears. Oh, God, watch it. Don't start crying now. And uh, last night... Who's got the call seal? At least two people. <laughs> so, right. All right, now I've got to follow all those people, all those preachers. So how many like preaching? How many like teaching? Uh, which do you like? <laughs> no, no, we won't go that way. Okay. I've got to be the teacher this morning. And uh, unlike Mike, who, uh, you know, Frank steals his stuff and everything, I've been told what I'm to speak on. Oh, hello, uh, Frank. You're my son-in-law? He steals, your stuff. he steals my stuff, but he refines it and puts some fire in it. He says, you know, yeah. So I've been told what I'm to speak on this morning. Reen, uh, why don't you come up and uh, put the blessing on us here. My wife is the preacher. I'm the teacher. And uh, behind every good man, there's a better woman. Wow. It's great to be back at MFI again. We thoroughly enjoy being here. And uh, I, I just had a word quickened to me this morning, and I'm just, it's just a scripture, but I'm going to read it. And uh, it's in Second Peter 2. You are a chosen generation. You are chosen. A chosen generation. You are what? A royal priesthood. Every one of you. You are priests unto God. You are a holy nation, a holy nation. And it says, his own special people. You are special. You are the special people of God today. And then, uh, that you may what? Proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. And then it says in Exodus, you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. What a wonderful promise. And uh, when we look at this, you're chosen. You are called into this glorious church that God is preparing at this end of the age. And I just thank God for that. And through, if, if we believe this scripture today, we have favour with God. Amen. You have favour with God. Yes. You are, God is a God of favour. He favours his people today. Yes. And so today, we are a favoured people. We are a called people. We are a chosen people Amen. and a special people yes. unto him who has called us. Praise the Lord. Yes. He's Amen. a good God. He's a wonderful God. And as we worship him and as we praise him, uh, I believe there's going to be a manifestation more and more 
of the glory of God coming in to the house of God. There's going to be a manifestation of his holiness coming to the people of God. Oh, that manifest presence as we worship him, as we praise him. There's a glory that's coming to the church of the living God. And I just believe that as we open our hearts to him today, that he's going to bless us. He's going to let that glory come. He's going to let that manifest presence come. And God will do things we we have not expected to see. He's going to do some things we have never seen before. Praise the Lord. Why? Because of his presence coming into his church and into his body. Praise the Lord. I'll just pray. Amen. (laughs) Father, we thank you today for your presence. We thank you, Lord, and we honour your word today. We honour you today in our midst. Oh, God, there's no God like you. There's no one like you. And we honour you and we ask today, bless your word. Oh, God, to every heart here today. Lord, let each one be encouraged as never before. Bless Kevin as he ministers the word. Oh, Father, give him a flow. Give him an anointing today. And let the word of God be alive to every heart today. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen. Would you like my wife to continue and I'll be happy to sit down. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, how how many really love MFI? It's just uh, wonderful and uh, I had a a guest brother with me last night and he was saying uh, just the prophetic spirit and that overshadowing uh, that we have in the meetings, just wonderful. And uh, I believe... As I said last year, the vision never changes. It may expand and progress and enlarge. The leadership changes, but the vision remains the same. And uh, so that's what's happening in MFI, and it's just wonderful. Okay, now, uh, in your notes, I'm the only one that's put out notes here, I see. Absolutely disgusting. (laughs) All right, so if you turn to page 666, no, 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 Uh, page 14, you'll uh, see it uh, in in your notes there. Now, I have two sets of notes, my own notes and uh, your notes, so uh, I'd like to fill in. Now, what I want to do this morning in our time together, and um, my wife told me not to tell this story, but it's still, the anointing's still on me. Uh, (laughs) Uh, one church, uh, I never got to this church, but they told me about this here in, uh, and only in America, where they had the pulpit uh, in the basement. And when it was time for the preacher to preach or teach, they would press a button and up he would come from the basement. The worst thing was when it was time for him to quit preaching, they would press the button and down he would, down he would go. How many enjoyed that? Okay. Don't do it in your churches, whatever you do. Okay, now let's see where we go. So, uh, all right, so, oh, and uh, how many remember Brother, Brother Fox? 
he, uh, the, I, I enjoyed his preaching. He's a tremendous prophetic preacher. The only thing I do remember, I actually wrote it down, and uh, he said he was visiting a uh, retirement village, and he asked his brother, how are you doing? He said, well, I really like my bifocals, and my dentures fit me fine. My hearing aid's just dandy, but I really miss my mind. That's almost how I feel this morning, okay, <laughs> following these magnificent preachers. All right, so uh, let's see. Now, what I want to do this morning, I want to give you an assignment to do. You've just been spoon-fed the last three sessions, <laughs> plenary sessions, just feed it, yeah, like a bunch of chickens, uh, but I'm going to make you work. At the end, I'll give you the assignment, Okay. You're not going to get it easy. All right. Okay, now, what I want to do, I want to submit my message to you because I'm talking to a very intelligent bunch of people that had a question mark after it. I'm talking to a very intelligent bunch of people. That's better. And keep responding like that. Thank you. Oh, my holy water. Go down there. All right, now, I want you to... uh, Oh, this is terrible too. Uh, one time we used to have the same translation, get to heaven the same time. Now with all the different translations, the message. Uh, what do we have last night? And the CIV and the NIV, the non-inspired version. I mean, just, I just. I mean, what does that do to an old man? Oh, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. So I've really been going through it. Yeah. So. So one time we all had the same translation, could read together, get to heaven at the same time. Now some people don't get to heaven till midnight. It's just really, really bad. All right. Okay, now, just before I get to that. So I'm into old King James. How many into old King James still? A few still in the faith, once delivered to the saints. How many are into new King James? That's better. How many into non-inspired, non-intelligent? What, what do you NIV? <laughs> What's that stand for? Yeah. All right. How many are like Mike into the message? Don't take your theology from the message. I ha- I do have it, by the way. Sorry, Mike, on that. Okay, let's start here with <laughs> New King James. I want you to go to. Uh, Uh, Matthew's Gospel, a very familiar scripture here, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, and uh, I'm going to read it from uh, uh, the New New King James here. I do have about 30 translations. Some of them agree with my doctrine and some don't. All right, so Matthew, uh, Matthew 16, and I'm going to read from verse 13 through to uh, verse 19. Very familiar scripture. And uh, remember, the, the, the subject I've been assigned is the church and the kingdom. And uh, we, we want to discuss that together and submit some thoughts to you. I'm not going to be able to cover everything that I think has opened to me on this. But uh, submit some thoughts to you, maybe rattle your cage a little bit, but that's okay. 
All right, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of uh, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And dear old Simon Peter, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, or to you, but, uh, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say also to you, you've said something to me, I'm saying also something to you, that you are Peter, and on this rock, the rock of his confession, uh, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. All right, now just uh, let me sort of introduce here. In, if you mark your Bible, there's two things we want to look at this morning. And uh, in my mind, I think we need some clarification on this. I think the Lord has helped me in what I want to share with you this morning. The two things we're talking about are mentioned in verse 18 and 19. So upon this rock I will build my church. Everybody say church. Okay, so we've got the church, that's in verse uh, 18, and then in verse 19 he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. kingdom. So what is the distinction or relationship between church and kingdom? Let me, uh, I'll do this a bit more fully later on, but how many, uh, or what we need to really, really realize, first of all, what Jesus said and what he didn't say. He didn't say upon this rock, I'll build my kingdom. He said, I'll build my church. And he didn't say to Peter, I'm going to give you the keys of the church. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Now, did Peter get the keys of the kingdom? If he did, where did he, did he use them? Or where are they? So, what do we do? Uh, kingdom and church, are they one and the same thing or what? Okay, so that's what we're talking about. Church and the kingdom. Are they interrelated? Uh, ex, uh, just uh, interchangeable words, or are they different? That's what we're talking about. Okay, now, I want to uh, introduce, and I want to give you a couple of scriptures here. This is not on your notes, but just by way of introduction. One of the most important things, and I don't know how many have uh, got Brother Dick's book on, uh, what was the title of your book on balance? Uh, balance, is that what it's called? I've got it somewhere in my file. But if you haven't got it, I recommend you get it. One of the things is an old man, and just to settle some of your questions, people say, what age are you now, Kevin? Oh, I said, well, I'll be 85 next birthday. I don't look 85, do I? Who said 105 back there? Okay. (laughs) I'll see you after my session. Okay. All right. So I'm getting old, not old, but older. Okay. All right. Now, so one of the things that really concerns me uh, as, as, as leaders today, is the, the lack of balance on so many things. All right, now, where are we? Got the, have we got the uh, scales up there? We could put the scales up there. And I want to give you a bunch of scriptures for, uh, as you just look at that. Leave that up for a little bit here. Uh, scriptures I've got on, on balance, and uh, just because of, of the material I need to cover, I won't spend too much time on this. Proverbs 11 and verse 1. I'd like you to put this down just by way of introduction. Proverbs 11 and verse 1. And New King James says, 
dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Dishonest scales. And uh, I put down a couple of other scriptures here. We haven't got time to turn to them. Micah chapter 6 and verse 11 talks about honest weights and honest scales. Uh, Micah 6 and verse 11. And then um, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 35 and 36. So Leviticus 19, verse 35 and 36. And then allow me to give you one more. Proverbs 20 and verse 10. Proverbs 20 and verse 10. So honest weights and scales are the Lord's. All the weights of the, of the, of, of the bagger, his work. Now, listen carefully to me here. Because I think this is happening spiritually in the church. Uh, as, as you'll see as we go through. That uh, in, in, in Israel's history, they had three kinds of weights. So we have the scales, and they had three kinds of weights. Number one, heavy weights. I'm not talking about boxing or anything like that. Heavy weights. And they used the heavy weights when they were selling out so that the person who was buying would get less. Heavy weights. And then on the other hand, they had light weights. And what do you think the light weights were used for? For buying in, so they would get, get, get more. But then there was the third set of weights, and these were called sanctuary weights, the weights of the sanctuary, the, the just weights. And so when you go through those scriptures, and uh, well worth reading all those scriptures there, dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. A couple of illustrations here. How many of us believe that God is one? There's only one true God. And uh, it concerns me some of the stuff I hear even by Pentecostal preachers that uh, the, the God of Islam, Allah, is the same as the God of the Bible. No, he's not. Right? How many believe God is three? I ask you a question, so answer me. All right. So now, if you get on the scales and take all the scriptures on the oneness of God, you can end up in oneness theology or Jesus only or whatever, out of balance, out of balance. Or if you get all the uh, scriptures on the threeness of God, God has revealed himself as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, if you get all this, you get into tritheism. And I've been to churches in my younger days, 100 years ago, uh, where, where I went to the meeting and they worshipped the Father for a bit and then when they thought he'd had enough, they worshipped the Son and they gave him a turn and they said, now it's time to worship the Holy Spirit. So when you get to heaven, how many gods are you going to see? Are you going to see God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit sitting on three thrones fighting it out? No. The only time we'll ever see God, because the Bible says no man can see God and live, and it says that God is light, and he dwells in unapproachable light whom no man has seen nor can see, uh, as I understand in my finite mind, the only way we'll ever see God is through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen this morning? Is that good theology? But Balancing the scales. So we've got uh, divided Christendom over three persons in the Godhead and giving each a turn so they don't have a fight over it. And then oneness uh, way over the extreme. And then uh, what's the next one? Divine sovereignty. How many believe in divine sovereignty? Do you balance it out with human responsibility? 
And so uh, uh, my wife and I don't go to a life group, uh, but we go to life groups and have a Q&A night, uh, question and answer night. And uh, one of the questions we've had answered uh, or asked as recently is, if everything is predestined and uh, people are predestined to heaven or hell, why do we need to bother with evangelism? Well, if that's true, we don't need to bother with evangelism. But Jesus said, go and preach the gospel to every creature, right? And the results are over to him. But where to do that? We don't know. And so balance, balance, balance. Uh, predestination and foreknowledge. Uh, uh, and, and please respond to me. It gives me a little bit of fun. Okay. How many believe that Judas was predestined to sell Christ out for money he never lived to spend? Hands up. How many don't believe that? How many are a bunch of chickens? How many, haven't, <laughs> how many haven't got a hand in your fight and are getting caught? Oh. Okay, I did see a few hands back there. So, so what you're saying, for those who believe it, and remember this is a teaching session, okay. Uh, when Judas stands before the Lord and the Lord says to Judas, why did you sell Christ out for money and never live to spend? He's going to be able to say to God, you predestined me. I had no option. Why don't you pick on Matthew and Peter? They're always blabbing their mouth. Why pick on me? Uh, No, God will never do anything with his creatures that's inconsistent with his character. So balance, balance, balance. That's all I'm talking about. What about uh, Christ? Okay, the big, uh, uh, big issue today is uh, how many believe Jesus Christ is God? Amen? Uh, most of us do. Some of you are backslidden at the moment. How many believe Jesus Christ is man? Now, if you, you take all the scriptures and you put them on the balance and overemphasize his deity, you destroy his humanity. Or if you overemphasize his humanity, which certain cults do, they overemphasize his humanity, they nullify his divinity. He is the God-man partakes of human nature, partaker of divine nature. He is the God-man, always, eternally. How many can say amen on that? And so you can go through that law and grace. Uh, Those of you who have been to Singapore lately and that area, uh, we have a brother there just extreme on some grace. And and, and sorry to say this, praise God for the grace of God. How many really do appreciate? I do. I'm here by the grace of God. But one sad case, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but uh, uh, because the teaching, part of the teaching is um, Jesus died for all our sins, past sins, present sins, and future sins, and they're already forgiven, so we don't need to ask for forgiveness. And so all these scriptures about forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those, no, we don't pray that. And when John was writing, uh, he says, uh, if we confess our sins, the blood of Jesus cleanses from all uh, sin, everything. That was not written to Christians. That was written to the Gnostics. We must not do that. But just in balance. And you see, uh, once in grace, always in grace, even if I live in disgrace. That's greasy grace. I said, it's a grace that leads to holiness. How many can say amen to that? So all I'm talking about is balance. And then you can go through law and grace. 
I'm not under law, but I'm under grace. And uh, some of you old people here will remember this in the Voice of Healing days, and I was old enough to be around in those days, sorry to say. And uh, they took Paul's teaching on grace, and uh, where sin abounds, grace is much more abound. So the more we sin, the more grace abounds. I said, read the next verse. Shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Certainly not. Amen? So that, that become, it becomes greasy grace. Slide you right in the hell. Thank you, Kevin, for that grace teaching. All right. Now, I said all that to say this, and then we'll switch that scales off, is we're going to talk about the church and the kingdom. And I want to trick you into truth if you're not already there. Now, the Bible says, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the church. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the... So how many are born again here? Uh, some of you haven't got your hands up. Let's have an altar call now. Come on out to the front. <laughs> except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom. So how many are in the kingdom? Now, I'm not talking about... We're not getting into that. Uh, some of you are already in your thousand years rest. I'm still looking for mine. I am tired. Uh, so... <laughs> Okay, so we're not talking about that. We're talking about the kingdom now. Except a man be born again. Now, so most of you said you're in the kingdom. Is that right? Let me see your hands again. Just make sure. All right, how do you get into the church? Do you really know? Okay, there are things we need to look at this morning. So that's why I want to submit it to you, intelligent people. Okay, thank you, Kevin. That was a good introduction. Did you enjoy that? Yes. Okay, now, now to your notes. Okay, where are we up to? Oh, I better, better go to your notes. Okay, I want you to turn over. So we've sort of introduced our subject and the necessity of balancing and what we're on this morning is the church and the kingdom. And uh, hopefully we'll answer that as we go through. I want you to turn over to Jeremiah chapter 1, if you've got your Bible or your computer. I told the brothers this morning, I've got power to point, but I'm no good on PowerPoint. It's, it's agony. I feel I've missed about five generations. And my grandkids, they just press the button and I press it and it deletes. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> okay, Jeremiah chapter one. Now, as we go through here, I want you to listen carefully. It's what I call on your notes there, building the church, extending the kingdom. So we've got church and kingdom. We're exploring that together. And I do want to submit these things to you and see what you think and uh, give you some assignment at the end. Okay, on the first bullet here, we have the Jeremiah principle, what I call. And in Jeremiah chapter 1 and uh, verse 10, uh, Jesus said, oh, the Lord says to Jeremiah, See, I have this day... Uh, set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms. Sometimes I say over the denominations or demon nations. Um, it, it, the light's bad up here a little bit. <laughs> I have set this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. And you'll notice Jeremiah's ministry was twofold. First of all, 
Number one, to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down. So four negative things, rooting out, pulling down, destroying, throwing down. Then second phase of his ministry was to build and to plant. Now, what I've found over the years is that many times, and, and, and for me, and I want to talk out of my, some of my experience here, I was bound by so many traditions and traditional teaching that the Lord had to use people to root out and pull down and pluck, uh, pluck up and destroy before he could build and plant truth. And, and, and when it comes to the church and the kingdom, we need to do that. Uh, I remember years ago, and I had great anointings on this till I found I was wrong. Anybody <laughs> identify with that? And then uh, the brother came along one time and just dropped what I call a spiritual bomb. He said, uh, how many believe the kingdom's been postponed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, well, he said, if the kingdom's been postponed, then none of you are born again. Because except a man be born again, he cannot see or enter the kingdom. Not the church. Now, I love the church. We'll balance all that out, hopefully, on our scales. So rooting out. So uh, Jeremiah principle is rooting out, plucking up, pulling down, and destroying. First of all, and many times we have to do that with traditions, traditional teaching and so forth, uh, the rooting out uh, phase on on your notes there. All right, and then you can build and plant the truth. All right, now, uh, next bullet here, um, and this is teaching session, remember. uh, Two major themes in the Bible, and the two major themes in the Bible are the the kingdom and the church. It doesn't matter whether you look at the Old Testament, if we look at, uh, say, depending on your translations a lot here, uh, Israel was called the church in the wilderness. And yet God said to Israel, I've taken you from the nation and I want to establish you as a kingdom of priests. So kingdom and church, kingdom and church, and they are the two basic themes through the whole Bible. There are many other themes, but two major themes, the church and the kingdom. All right, now, next bullet here, uh, and this is the approach I want to take this morning. Uh, I want to use the catechism approach and... um, Reading off my note here, the Greek word katechio means to instruct by answering the questions and correcting the answers. The word catechism is derived from this Greek word. This kind of, of, of oral instruction is still one of the best, best methods of, of learning. So the word is generally translated instruct here. So that's the uh, approach I'm taking here. Okay, so question number one. What definitions may be seen in the words kingdom and church? And, uh, and, and please just be patient with me. As, uh, this is a predominantly a teaching session. Um, how many have ever put a jigsaw puzzle together? Hands up. Good. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, so when you're putting a puzzle together, first thing you do is lay out all the parts of the puzzle and uh, as you're picking up the puzzle, you know there's a design there and everything. You don't pick up a part and say, oh, don't know where that fits, throw it away. And then pick up another part, oh, I don't know where that fits, throw that away. I remember a brother said to me years ago, Kevin, if I say some things you don't believe or don't understand, don't throw it away, put it on the shelf. And I, I, that was a word of wisdom to me because I've had many things on the shelves over the years, but as God has put different ministries in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers and so forth, um, yeah, 
I say, oh, that's where that fits. You don't force the parts or you distort the puzzle. And so the, the Bible to me is like one divine uh, jigsaw puzzle. And you don't force the scriptures or you distort the picture. But everything just locks and interlocks till hopefully at the end of my session you'll say, wow, that's a great picture, the church and the kingdom. Everybody can say amen. amen. All right, so what, uh, number one, what definitions may be seen in the words kingdom and the church? All right, let me read off my notes and just try and condense here. The word kingdom is actually, the Greek word kingdom is uh, basileia, something like that. It's made up of two Greek words, king's domain or kingdom. So king's domain or kingdom. King's domain, that's what it is. And then uh, summarizing this, uh, you can't separate the king and the kingdom uh, as far as God is concerned. So the kingdom is, first of all, it, it includes the territory or area over which a king rules and reigns, so territory. And then it also includes the subjects or citizens in that territory or area over which the king, king, uh, the king reigns. It therefore includes territory and subjects, so the kingdom of God. When we speak about the kingdom of God, we're talking about the universe, the territory. He reigns in the universe and rules over all subjects, whether they're angelic or human. Everybody said amen, amen on that? Then on the word church, which you know so very well, but this is my recommendation, even though we may not agree with everything he says. William Barclay, on his uh, word studies in the New Testament, Greek word studies, he has the best definition of the word church that I've ever seen over all my years. And so we generally say, well, ecclesia, the Greek word for church, upon this uh, rock I'll build my church, it's ecclesia, the called out ones. No, he goes a bit further and he takes the um, custom in uh, uh, the Greek world and the Roman world and he says, it's a, the people who are called out of their homes and gather together to listen to and act for God. That to me is better. It's not just called out. He says they're called out of their homes. So when the ecclesia came together, they were called out of their homes and they gathered together to listen to and act for, in that case, the Caesar, but here for God. And I think that's the best. So if you can get hold of uh, William Barclays on that, that's very good. Okay, so kingdom and church. All right, number two, is there any uh, distinction between kingdom and church? Or are they one and the same thing? Can the words be used interchangeably? All right, how many believe there is a distinction between kingdom and church? Amen? Uh, a lot of you, you, you're just a bunch of chickens. You're frightened of getting caught. Okay. Uh, the words cannot be used interchangeably. I want to give you uh, some scriptures here. Uh, see if I can. I write in tongues. I don't always understand what I'm saying. Now, just to show you that there's a difference between church and kingdom, and I, as I said, I want to submit this to you and provoke you to thought, uh, how do you get into the kingdom? How do you get into the church? Okay, listen to this. When we pray the disciples' prayer, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your church come. We don't say that. We say your kingdom come. Is that right? Yes. Matthew 6, verse 6 to 9. 
the man who came to Jesus and Jesus turned to him and said, you are not far from the church. He didn't say that. He said, you're not far from the kingdom. He didn't say you're not far from the church. And then in the scripture that we're using as our base, upon this rock I will build my kingdom. No, I will build my church and I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Now, is there any distinction or relationship between them? Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the church. No, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom. So we need to understand and just because, I'm, as I said, I'm talking to an intelligent bunch of people, understand kingdom and church. Okay, hang on till I'm right through. What about Matthew 24 and verse 14? And this gospel of the church will be preached in all the world for witness to all nations and then shall the end come. This gospel of the kingdom. Now, I'm going to say it now while it's in my mind. Uh, I think it's on your notes. This is really important to understand. The church is the messenger. The kingdom is the message. Okay, everybody say that with me. So the kingdom is the message and the church is the messenger. All together? The king. You know what you're talking about? Okay, all right. So yeah, the kingdom is the message and the church is the messenger. That's a good way of saying it. All right, uh, one more here. Uh, the, the, the church will be taken from you and given to a nation to bring forth the fruits of no, the kingdom. So this is sort of where I'm heading to for your assignment. The word church is used about uh, 115 times in the New Testament and the word kingdom about 160 times. So it's just good to keep in mind church about 115 times and the kingdom about 160 times. All right, so there is a distinction. So is there any distinction between kingdom and church or are they one and the same thing? Can the words be used interchangeably? There's a distinction. They can't be used interchangeably. Now, this is a dangerous question. So don't, you know, exercise your leg muscles and jump to conclusion before I'm through. Is it possible to be in the kingdom and not be in the church? Think about that. Okay, uh, number three. Is there a need to keep the kingdom and the church in proper balance? Uh, Simply, I'd say yes. I think what I've uh, read to you, uh, yes. Uh, The answer is yes. Kingdom and church. So the kingdom is the message and the church is the messenger. Okay, number four, quickly. Uh, How long has the kingdom been in existence? Now, we'll get to the church in a moment. Uh, Turn to... Psalm uh, 130, 134, I think it is. Uh, Psalm 145, sorry. Psalm 145. And uh, listen to what it says here in verse 10. Psalm 145, verse 10. All your works shall praise you. O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. So based on this, to make known uh, to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. And verse 13 is the answer. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Hallelujah. 
So how, how, how long has the kingdom been in existence? The kingdom is everlasting. Now, listen carefully to me, and I'll balance this out, hopefully. I've got to practice what I preach. Before the church ever existed, the kingdom was there. The kingdom is everlasting. The kingdom is as everlasting as the king. As long as it's been the king, king of kings, lord of lords, uh, God the Father is king, there's been a kingdom. So the kingdom is everlasting. So before the church was even in existence, the kingdom was there. Got to keep that in mind. So your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. That's it. Everybody said amen to that? Okay, so number four, how long has the kingdom been in existence? Number five, now this is important. It's going to help us on the question six. Is there a rebel kingdom in the universe? I'm only giving you uh, an outline of some of these things. But see, way back in eternity, there was only one kingdom, the kingdom of God, the everlasting kingdom of God. And then God in his purposes decided to create the uh, angels, the archangels and everything and uh, the subjects of the kingdom. And as long as they submitted their free will to the perfect and good and perfect will of God, there was harmony in heaven. But somewhere in the mystery of iniquity, uh, one of the angels, we believe, Lucifer, rose up. And I, I do like this definition of the cross, that actually the cross actually began in heaven. Now think of it. And I looked up the dictionary word, a dictionary meaning of the word cross, and it simply means... Uh, two thoughts or two ideas uh, running opposite or contrary to each other, contradicting each other. So here the angels submitted their free wills to the will of God and there was harmony in heaven. You know, if you're going to have harmony in your house with you and your wife and your kids or grandkids, someone's got to submit to your will. <laughs> uh, we hope it's good and perfect and just, but there's harmony but once Satan said, and here is the thing, this is where the cross began, I will, I will, I will, I will. Five times he said, I will, and crossed the will of God. And I like this answer somebody gave me, that when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, doing the Father's will, he said, not my will, but your will be done. He received five wounds. And the five wounds he received on the cross doing the Father's will was his answer to Satan's five I wills, crossing the will of God. Wow. And so when we come to Jesus, it's no longer I will, I will, I will. It's not my will, but your will be done. How many can say amen? And it's the principle of the cross, crossing our will, our self-will. That's exactly. And so cut a long story short here. When Satan rose up and offered the angels a position in the Anglican church, uh, the angelic church, pardon me, um, you'd be on my side. He actually started a rebel kingdom, right? So we, are, we have the kingdom of God, but within the kingdom of God, the universal, there's a rebel kingdom. All right, let's go to the next question quickly. Nobody, oh, I've got five minutes. Um, when did God establish his kingdom in and on the earth? All right, very quickly here to cover a bit on the outline. Uh, first of all, he, he wanted to do it in Adam and Eve, uh, king and queen, over creation, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. 
And uh, it's always a frightening thought, but if Adam and Eve had the messes all up, uh, they would have had perfect kids, a perfect offspring. Uh, God had some plan for this earth. I don't think he's forgotten it. And then secondly, letter B, if you want to, uh, when God ta- uh, took uh, called Israel, he said, I want you to be a kingdom of priests. Okay, Wanted to demonstrate his kingdom in the nation. He took a nation from the midst of the nations to demonstrate his kingdom. All right, now, number seven, and I'm moving quickly here. As I said, you can uh, work this. I've given you a good, good outline. Everybody said amen. amen. What happened when Jesus, the king of the kingdom, came? All right, the gospel of the kingdom is the gospel of Matthew. It's the only gospel that mentions the church. Matthew, Mark doesn't mention the church, or Luke, or John. None of them mention the church. The only one that mentions the church is the gospel of the kingdom. So I want you to keep that in mind. There's some reason for that. The church and the kingdom. On this rock, I'll build my church. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. So what did Jesus come for? And what is the purpose of our existence? Is that when Adam and Eve fell, they were transported from the ground of unbelief, uh, ground uh, ground of faith and obedience, to the ground of unbelief and disobedience. And they landed in the kingdom. Of darkness. So, what is the gospel? To get people out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's the gospel. So, we're not, we don't preach the church, we preach the kingdom. Get them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Everybody said amen. You've got enough characteristics there, characteristics of the two kingdoms, holiness and righteousness, kingdom of God, order and truth, life and joy, will of God. There's tons of material here, mystery of godliness. On the kingdom of darkness, sin and unrighteousness, disorder and deception, death and sorrow, self-will or Satan's will, mystery of iniquity. Is there a difference, very briefly on this one, uh, once you check this out, is there a difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? The answer is no. When Matthew writes uh, uh, his gospel to mainly to the Jewish believers, it is written, it is written, according to the word and so forth. Uh, the other gospels use kingdom of God. You, when you compare those scriptures, they're interchangeable. All right, the number nine. <clears throat> Coming in for a landing here. Number nine. Uh, and, and, and one of the things that concerns me today with this lack of balance, I hear some preachers saying, God's finished with the church. The church is going to be layered this in, he's going to spew it out, it's making Jesus sick. What we've got to talk about is the kingdom. So God will never finish with the church. I love what Dick Iverson used to say. I love my wife, Reen, with all her faults. I'll balance it out. She loves me with all my faults. And if anybody come up to me and said, you're not much of a film star, are you? You know what I'd do? I'd punch them in the nose in the name of Jesus and repent afterwards. <laughs> I love my wife. And Christ loves the church. So when people knock the church, and there's so much, I mean, you should see the books coming out. I've got eight books against tithing, so many books against the church, and God's finished with the church. You'll never have a, a Christ Uh, a a, a headless body. The church is the body of Christ. The church is his bride. Christ loved the church and he gave himself for it. And when people, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit unsanctified here. When I hear all these books about the emerging church, 
You know, I asked them three questions. What do you mean by the word church? Let's define that biblically. And then I say, what are you emerging from? And what are you emerging into? They haven't got a clue. You know how I feel now? I love the church. I'm part of it. If I'm not part of the church, I'm punching myself in the nose. I'm born in the kingdom, but I've got into the church. Okay. All right. Uh, number nine, quickly. Uh, is my time up? No, not yet. Uh, is my time up? Quarter past. Five minutes. Thank you. Okay. Wonderful. Okay, was the kingdom taken from Jewry and given to another nation? The answer is yes. And just put down... Um, Matthew chapter 23, uh, Matthew chapter 21, verse 43 to 43. So the kingdom was taken from and given to a holy nation. Where's the holy nation? America, Australia? No, the church. First Peter chapter 2, you are a holy nation. God actually has a nation within the nations, and that nation is the church. Can we say amen? amen? All right, now, number 10, quickly. Okay, how do you get into the kingdom? How do you get in the church? Listen carefully. I have to summarize this. Now, when Jesus began his ministry and John the Baptist, they, they keep saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's at hand. Well, how do you get into it? How do I get into it? But see, they have a bad idea, uh, a political, nationalistic, a Davidic kingdom they're looking for, a wrong concept. And they heard the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, but they missed the word repent. Then Jesus said to this man, you're not far from the kingdom. Well, how do I get in the kingdom? It's not until you get to John chapter 3 and you've got the scriptures there, except a man be born again, born from above, he cannot enter the kingdom. So we've got to get people out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light by new birth. Can we all say it? All right. Now, I want you to go through the scriptures. We haven't got time here. My time's just about up. uh, In the old King James and new King James, and it varies in some of the translations, but do you know what I like about this? I went through and make a note of it for, you've got to do your work. Um, Make a note of the word added. And you know what it says? They were added to the church. And they were added to them. They were added to them. And they were added to the Lord. Go through the use of the word added. So now here's my summary punchline on this. We are born into the kingdom, but added to the church. Now, how am I added to the church? Come to my workshop tomorrow morning. I'm going to talk about building an Acts 2 church. Okay. So on the column there, repentance, faith, water baptism, Holy Spirit baptism, apostles, doctrine, fellowship, it's all there. And they were added to the church. Now there's more than that meets the eye. All right, number 11. Is the church the final instrument for the proclamation and demonstration of the kingdom? Yes. The answer is yes. He's not looking for another people unless they're born again. I really, my wife and I were really agitated on this. We went to Atlanta, Georgia about two or three years ago and uh, came out in the newspaper on the weekend. I took it home, uh, just to <laughs> believe it. Seven or eight mainline churches had uh, joined together and said that the Jews do not have to be born again. 
they are still the covenantal people of God. And so I said, well, Jesus said to Nikki, how many know who Nikki is? Nikki Demas. You know, his surname's Demas. Nikki, are you a Jew? You've got to be born again. And then the rabbis, they got together and they were very pleased and Connor's words now, said, oh, we're glad the Christians are getting off our back. We're trying to convert us to their, uh, to their Jewish Messiah. Well, you've got to be born again. So born again into the kingdom, added to the church by these things. This is what we're talking about in Acts 2 church. Okay, and then down the bottom, it's all there for you. The kingdom, kingdom is everlasting, it's heavenly, it's universal. It's God's real reign and authority. It's ended by repentance and new birth. Now, the kingdom includes the angels. The church does not include the angels. Unless the fallen ones. Listen carefully. Got it there. The church... Did, did you people get that there? I mean, the center lot got it. Did, did you get it? Okay. Uh, listen to this and I'll wrap up on this. The church is a manifestation in time of an eternal purpose. That's important. The church is a manifestation in time of an eternal purpose. According to the eternal purpose might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Okay, my time's up. Press the button. God bless you. Oh, your assignment. What I want you to do between now and the coming of Jesus, I want you to go through 160 references on the kingdom and 115 uh, references on the church and see the distinction yet interrelatedness of the two. God bless you and thank you for being such an intelligent bunch. I'm done. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.